This week's podcast brought to you by Horse Stall Refresher. The other morning I was paying bills and um, going through mail, and some of that was signing basketball cards that people had sent me to sign in return. And as I was sitting there kind of going through um, a pile of cards, our nine-year-old came over and looked at me pathetically and said, when you're done signing your autograph, will you kick a soccer ball with me? It's like a Harry Chapin song. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Well, we're in the basement to record this, hoping that we won't have to have our entire family hunkered down in the basement this afternoon as Hurricane, what's this one's name? Isais. Say that again? Isais. As Hurricane Isais is headed our way, and... um. And there's potential for very high winds where we live and even possibly tornadoes. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a tornado touchdown very near to our home. We were hit with hail and other things. And uh, and our nine-year-old this morning was already talking. What, what, what other things? Sticks and leaves and rain. Okay. <laughs> and uh, anyway, our nine-year-old has been asking a lot of questions about Remember that last time where we had to be in the basement? Did we have Jesse with us? And yeah, we had the dog with us. If we if we have to go to the basement, will we bring the puppy? Will we bring Kasha down with us? Yes, we'll bring her down with us. So clearly there's um there's worry in the hearts of our children. So I too am hoping we aren't hunkered down uh later today trying to avoid or stay safe from a tornado. We've we've already battened down the hatches. Yeah, you and you in particular and our son did a great job. What does that even mean? I know you did it yesterday around our house, like, you know, you, brought you everything check all the in. hatches and make sure they're battened. And then we... What we, does battened even mean? We've... we've um. And since I don't know what battened means, I just Googled it, and this is perfect, because the first definition that comes up on, just via Google, batten, past tense, battened, straighten or fasten something with battens, B-A-T-T-E-N-S. And then the example they give... Stephen was battening down the shutters. Were you battening down our shutters? If we had shutters, I would have battened them down. But but keep that definition up on your phone because that is like a tongue twister for for somebody with the New Britain accent. Oh yeah, that was hard for me to do. Fasten do with battens. Fasten with battens, and there were a hundred other words in there that strengthen that or fasten something with battens. Stephen was battening down the shutters. The shutters. I know anything with a double T. My my New Britain tongue is going to get in the way. Well, I did batten down the hatches. We've hunkered down. We've braced. Uh, this makes me think of my uh, physical exam recently. Were they COVID. battening your hatches? <laughs> my hatches were battened. <laughs> and uh, and I braced. And when I braced, at a certain point in the physical, the, the doctor said, and this was a new thing during COVID-19, he said, and he was not making any effort to be funny, he said, turn your head and 
bear down. And I said, are you telling me turn your head and don't cough? And he says, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Of course. Were, were both of you wearing, well, yeah, of course he was wearing a mask. He's a doctor. You were wearing your mask, presumably, during yes. this visit. So <laughs> turn your head and don't cough. Yes. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. Well, I, I just remembered it. Oh, that's very funny. It was a, it was a recovered memory from a traumatic experience. <laughs> Um, well, as you were both battening your hatches, uh, as I prepare, he was battening my hatches. He was <laughs> as uh, as we prepare for whatever degree of storm we're going to get this afternoon. Where we live, um, when there's high winds, frequently people can lose power, and um, and because we have well for our water, if you lose power, you you can't get water out of your sink. And sometimes more importantly, you can't flush your toilet. So what I will do when we're done recording the podcast, which you've always thought absurd when storms were coming, is I will fill the bathtub with water so that we have water if we need to flush the toilet so we can take a bucket and pour it down. Anyway, our kids, when they heard, you know, the storm was coming and might lose power, their first instinct was, can we can we ch- charge the power bricks? Because the worst thing that could happen to them would be they'd have no d- power for their devices. So now any of the auxiliary power um, bricks that we have are, are charging so that the kids not only have their devices charged, but when they, they exhaust the power in those, they will then have the power bricks to plug into. I'm worried about flushing toilets. They're worried about their devices. Some, some of our uh, viewers may not know what a power brick is, so you might want to define it for them as you defined it for me about 15 minutes ago. How did I define it for you? Well, the kids forgot that they these things existed, and um, they're, what are they, just reserve batteries that you charge on the laptop? Yeah, basically. They're just, uh, you just charge them into the wall, and um, then your phone or anything that has a USB plugs into it, and it works to charge it up. You it's power. You put a power brick into a power book to charge it. <laughs> you can put a power brick into a power book to charge, charge it. That is true. And um, I always have one on an airplane just in case um, my phone battery gets low um, and the plane doesn't allow you to charge. Not that I've been on a plane for months, but um, it, it's a good thing to have. So that's that's their focus. My focus is on washing our hands and flushing our toilet. We do have I think six five-gallon bottles of Poland Springs in the garage should things go completely Gilligan's yeah, Island on us. I would rather not use that to flush the toilets. Um, so you, you, I'll, I'll, you, it, it takes you, me you, very you little would... effort to to fill the tub with water. Very Almost none, no effort by me. I turn the water on, tub fills, I turn it off. I think flushing the toilets we would reserve for Dasani. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly hope the weather cooperates tomorrow Wednesday as we record this because I would not want to miss our next puppy training class and last week I put up a Twitter poll and I said will Steve Russian attend puppy training classes with me and the pup no chance or of course and I have to say no chance one out on that 80% to the of course which is 20%. We had a couple people uh, comment. Andy said... I was going to say you had a couple of people abstain. No, you had plenty of people abstain. But Andy commented, he said, as I vote, no chance is 80%. This should not serve as justification for not going. And uh, then somebody else said, I chose no chance, but I still think he should go. So we, should we let the uh, let the viewers know the result? 
Did you go to puppy training classes? You tell me. Of course I went to puppy training class. You did go to puppy training class. And as I was telling our vet yesterday when I was there at, with the puppy getting her checkup, um, I think our 13-year-old described your puppy voice as cringeworthy. You, you have a really odd way of speaking to the puppy. Are you, and I've never noticed it with our older dog because you're usually just yelling at her to stop doing something she shouldn't be doing. But you, you, the way you talk to the dog is really kind of weird. Do you, do you, think, <laughs> do you think that I'm being serious when I'm talking to the dog? The way I, I I'm think even when you... I'm imitating other dog owners, I think obviously. Even when, I think and I'm even also when, <laughs> mocking uh, the rest of my family. Even when, when we were at the class and it was your turn to like, and you I know, was exaggeratedly calling the puppy as a joke because okay. it was such a ridiculous exercise. Okay, if if that's if that's your story, it's not my story. It's the fact. Okay, um, you think I really talk like this in real life? I mean, what what what? I don't know. You're particularly edgy today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I wonder why there, a tornado is bearing down on us, much the way I bore down in the doctor's office. In in month You're no nineteen of an unnecessary um, uh, hunkering down. You're no longer allowed to cough when you turn your head. I mean, the whole world what's what's turning to hell in a handbasket. Anyway, um, are you planning to come to the next puppy training class, or was one one class enough for you? Well, I, I or is that I mean, more I of think, a game I, time decision? I think I I think I got it in the one. I'm not sure what the graduate level. Course is going to do for me. Although I did enjoy spending an hour in the in the um, pet supply store where the class is held, and in fact, one of the little exercises was was done in the back kind of warehouse connected to the store, in which I found myself leaning on a like a fifty pound feed bag of what the label described as horse stall refresher, <laughs> and it comes in a bag comes in a giant bag like like you would buy a fertilizer in and I thought that would be we should just have a sack of that in our house and and a scoop like we use for dog food to occasionally refresh our own uh, bathrooms. <laughs> well, I mean, where we live, there are lots and lots of horses. Even the, the there's a vet that's near the store where we um, take these classes and they have this big pen outside so that if your horse I don't know if you would bring your cow there too. What I've I've ever only ever seen them walking horses around there. But uh, you know, at least like if you're a doctor and and you know, there's a whole realm of people. But like a vet has to be able to take care of a parakeet and a hamster and a you know a pet mouse all the way up to a giant horse. It's a lot. I have a lot of respect for the for the could, vets. Could you give me that litany of of creatures again? <laughs> the parakeet. The Hamster, you pet mouse all the way up to the horse. <laughs> is that is that uh, is there a limit? Is the is the horse the limit at the at the vets, or do they have like a, you must be shorter than this bar to ride know. this ride? That's a good question because like around here, there's plenty of farmers. Th- those are probably special vets though that like that go to the farms because it's not like you're putting a cow in a vehicle to transport it somewhere. Uh, we'll have to learn more about that. There's probably somebody who listens to this podcast who is a who's a farm vet. Because even when I was talking to the woman that time at the grocery store and her, she noticed her horse was off. Horse? She, her horse. Was horse. Her horse was horse. The vet her, came her, to her, her farm. Her so that, that must little, be. Was a little horse? <laughs> that must be a thing. 
where farm vets they make house calls and farm calls that must be the only calls they they probably do is going to the farm so they don't have to winch a cow what onto a yeah I don't know. I don't know. But I'm now I'm I, my interest is peaked and I'm going to look into this. You're going to look out, into what specifically? What is the largest creature? No, no, no I'm just going to look into like, you know, how do how do farm animals get veterinary care? That might be the exact phrase I put into the Google search and see what it comes up how with. How do farm animals get veterinary care? Yes. Or maybe I'll just text my veterinarian friend Andrea and say how does this work in the vet maybe, world? Maybe, maybe you could do that in real time while we're recording this podcast so that you don't leave our viewers hanging in suspense, much like a, a cow hanging from a winch before it's loaded onto a house trailer. Well, the first thing that comes up is an article entitled, Farm Veterinarians Are Increasingly Rare. Here's Why and Why You Should Care. Sort of um, Dr. Seussian. And then- Is that um, the name of the vet, Dr. Seuss? <laughs> and think perhaps. And then the next like, most popular question that comes up is, how much does, does a livestock vet make? But anyway, so there must be livestock vets. I'll, I'll delve into it further, um, but just based on this, this first article, it seems they're increasingly rare, so that can't be a good thing. Farm veterinarians are increasingly rare, and if they fail at their job, so is the steer they were operating on. That reminds me. Yesterday, while you guys were battening down the hatches, rare. You happened. Do you get it? Yes, I do. Yesterday, as you guys were battening down the hatches, you found a deceased bird behind one of the chairs. We don't know how the bird met its demise. Perhaps at the mouth of our older uh, I, dog. Jesse. I, I suspect foul with a W. Foul play. <laughs> so. Really? You're, which just, was, you're not even going to acknowledge no, that? No, because I want to move on to the next thing, which is for the next hour, as I was sitting on the front steps, you know, kind of uh, watching our two dogs play and run around the front yard, you and our son were just coming up with rhymes and songs all pertaining to a dead bird. <laughs> and there was something that was, most, it was mostly funny, but also a little bit disturbing. <laughs> Do you want to share any of the? Um, well, they were they were they were meant as a, a solemn eulogy for the deceased bird. I'm reminded of the Monty Python dead parrot sketch, which I'll have to sh show the kids um, in comedy class tonight. In comedy class tonight, but um, it was meant to uh, confer some dignity up, up on the on the the bird in the afterlife. But it was it was taken by our son as. Um, as mean-spirited, and so all of his rhymes were sort of shaming me uh, about my rhymes about the bird. So no, there were just can things like remember? conveyed into the woods in a skimmer basket because we had used a, a pool skimmer to to uh, throw it into the woods. Let it throw. Take, let it take its last flight. Yes. Anyway, how did the poem go? I don't remember the exact lyrics, but they were something like conveyed to the woods in a skimmer basket. They served the bird as its funeral casket, something like that. I can't remember exactly what. Yes, but, and there but was there a lot more. Words. A lot more where that was. I, I, I from. fear, as I'm saying this, that um, our resident birder. She, <laughs> I'm sure she would consider that a proper funeral and eulogy. Well, I certainly hope so. It was much, uh, much more time and attention devoted to it than would have otherwise been devoted to it had we not found the bird um, and it had been pecked to death by other birds or whatever. I don't know. Birds don't probably aren't know, cannibals. Yeah, but. whatever happens. Um, well, you mentioned the um, 
comedy class. What has been the what have been the latest hits in comedy class at night with the kids? Well, we've been watching. You know, you're talking about birds, and you mentioned parakeets earlier. We've been watching um, all of the stupid pet tricks on Letterman. So parakeets riding remote control jet skis. Um, and stupid human tricks, which the kids noticed very early on, all of every segment involves at least one way of drinking beer, you know, without using your hands. Or, or yesterday, the stupid pet trick involved a a Boston Terrier that could um, go down no a supermarket shot. line and knock beer cans into its cart with yeah. a mini uh, dog cart. So, um, that's what we've been doing lately. Tonight, you don't, you don't want to participate. Of, what's that? You don't participate. You don't seem interested in... in no, uh, I think it's your thing to do with the kids. I, I, I not only appreciate that you're having this nice connection, and I do enjoy, I'll be down the hall, and I'll hear them laughing. I appreciate that you're doing that, and I also appreciate the five minutes to myself. So I'm going to continue to let you <laughs> have that special time with the children. <laughs> The other day I was driving to Bristol because I was going to be calling some WNBA games and um, there was this Corvette, I think, um, but a car low to the ground, sporty car, and there was a fair amount of traffic and this guy zips, like, zipping in and out of traffic, you know, gunning the engine and feeling good about himself. And uh, He obviously didn't feel good about himself because he was driving <laughs> until he got a Corvette. Right. Right, which exactly. was designed to make him feel good about himself. So anyway, he, he he was next to me, then zipped by me, and then went through. And I had to laugh because like he changed lanes multiple times. And then when he finally got into the middle lane where he was going to cruise for a while, he had left his blinker on. And I was just like, this is so perfect. This guy's feeling all good, zipping through traffic in his Corvette, gun in the engine. And he's still a whatever old dude who left his blinker on. <laughs> It was so perfect. <laughs> Corvette seems too small to have a collection of, of hats displayed in the rear window. Yeah, he didn't have that. Um, but it was, I, it just, it actually made me like, I was the only one in the car. It made me chuckle um, out loud. Did he have a mask dangling from the mirror or, or a fuzzy dye? No, neither a dye nor a mask. Although it's hard to tell, actually. He may have had both. Um, the windows, as of course they would be on a Corvette, and I even think it was a red Corvette, um, were tinted. So I don't know exactly what may have been dangling on this, what I'm assuming was a middle-aged man. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot? Glass! Well, I've got to do, since I mentioned driving to Bristol, a WNBA update. And uh, the season, we're a week and a half now into the season. And um, the first weekend, there was really high quality action players looked good crisp um sharp fresh legs fresh legs and um the last game i did was on sunday where for many of these players it was their fourth game in seven days and um i'll just leave it by saying the games were not particularly sharp the players did not look like they had fresh legs because of course they didn't but i'm hoping now um monday is always the off day i'm hoping that the the players will have done their recovery and uh and be fresher, and the games will be crisper once again. Um, the legs will be fresher. Yes, and uh, and but it's hard. I mean, just think about every other day playing um, and not having a chance for your body to recover. But uh, excited about the season. Looks good so far. Um, you know, a huge, a huge hit to lose Sabrina Ionescu to a grade three ankle sprain. We still don't know how long she's going to be out, but it certainly isn't um, un 
unrealistic to think that she will not return this season. Um, but we'll wait and see. And uh, and it's it's been fun to be back in, in the studio. I did not go with curlers in my hair this this past uh, weekend. Instead, I just went with the uh, the ponytail. But uh, it's been fun to be back with Ryan and Holly and talking hoops. Shall we go to viewer mail? Let's go to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Tom writes, Rebecca and Steve, my family never leaves a game early. It started with my parents taking all four of us kids to Montreal Expos games back when they played at Jerry Park. My brother's two sisters and I were having this discussion via text a few days ago. We still never leave a game early. A few years ago, I took my then 21-year-old son to, to a Kansas City Royals at, at Detroit Tigers game. Had we left early, we never would have seen Miguel Cabrera hit a walk-off home run. When We were celebrating and high-fiving everyone around us. We didn't know any of them. I was with my son this past weekend, and he brought up that game and how much fun we had. My parents would be rolling over in their graves if we ever left a game early now. It is a tradition that was passed on to us that I have passed on and I just lost my place here, that I have passed on to my two boys and that I will pass on to my grandchildren if I am lucky to have any. Tom, your resident college football fan who fears he may be very bored this fall. Well, yeah, it seems to be the consensus. People don't like leaving games early. The people who are motivated to write in on this topic don't like right. leaving. I have a feeling there's a large number of people out there who leave games early, have no problems leaving early. And I've seen many jokes uh, online during this baseball season that, uh, you know, this game is so bad that the cardboard cutouts are leaving early and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, to, to find out is, um, if radio, if the ratings go up in the eighth or ninth, ninth inning, presumably when some people, people at the game will have left the game and will then be listening on the radio. I guess they would naturally go up at that time if it was a close game anyway, but, um, but that might be, that might be helpful in, in figuring that out. Uh, Chip Dunham, a cartoonist for the Atlantic in the Atlanta Journal Constitution. I don't know if it's syndicated or or uh, what, but uh, Dr. Siegel sends a a three panel comic strip from the Atlanta Journal Constitution called Overboard by Chip Dunham, and uh, it's two guys on a beach. Uh, the one guy uh, has a poop bag, says poop bag, and he shoots over the other guy from three point range into a uh, into a trash can. And the third panel caption is, with not a lot of live sports in the pandemic, we still look for ways to compete. Good shot. Thank you, sir. The dog is thinking, can we play again tomorrow? Well, wait, of course we can play again tomorrow. And um, this so. This goes to our poop bag toss that we do when we've been walking the dogs to see if we can land it perfectly on the uh, other side of the street. Makes Almost makes you think there are new, no, truly no new concepts under yeah. the sun. Our resident patent attorney, Ed, in Maryland writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. A while back, you folks discussed the pros and cons of eating M&Ms for breakfast. And I was curious, so I did a little research. I looked up the fat and sugar content of eight M&Ms versus that of a cup of coffee, assuming one sugar cube and a tablespoon of half and half in the coffee. The results surprised me. One sugar cube equals four grams of sugar. Eight M&Ms have about four and a half grams of sugar. One tablespoon of half and half has 1.7 grams of fat. Eight M&Ms have about one and a quarter grams of fat. It's pretty much a wash. The M&Ms really aren't any worse than a cup of coffee with cream and sugar. There you have it. Have a good time, Steve. Ed, well, thank you, Ed. And, and uh, my sentiments exactly. I don't drink coffee, and uh, so therefore I'm not spooning sugar into my coffee. I'm not pouring half and half into my coffee. I'm not getting caffeinated with my coffee. So whatever whatever substitute vice I have at breakfast, I think is uh, is perfectly in line with a cup of coffee. Well, I certainly appreciate the... Um the research 
that went into this particular viewer mail. And I don't know why I'm fixating on this part of it, but um, how cool are sugar cubes? And can you even get sugar cubes anymore? Like the only time I used to see them is if you were at a restaurant and somebody got coffee and they had the little metal tin with sugar cubes. But now it's just, you know, different color packets. It's sugar or equal or you know, whatever, stevia. Sweet, stevia sweetener, the pink, blue, and yellow packets. Restiva. Um, do they even still make sugar cubes anymore? I don't know, but last night at dinner, our kids were reminiscing about a 2014 trip to South Africa with my then, uh, well, still my father, but the turning 80-year-old father. And um, one of our daughters confessed, our eldest daughter confessed that uh when we were in restaurants, so we were a couple of on a couple of occasions, she was stealing the sugar packets off the table and pouring them down her throat in the bathroom. And that our next daughter discovered her in the bathroom doing this. And um, it sounds like a scene out of Studio Fifty Four, right? But this was a ten-year-olds and eight-year-olds, and uh, and extracted a vow not right. to knock her out for for drinking the uh, sugar packets in the bathroom of the restaurant. Yeah, totally like a Robert Downey Jr., James Spader scene from some movie in the 90s. Uh, Jackie writes, Uno, your resident dog, wanted to welcome the Uno resident dog. Uno is uh, as one dangling dice, if I recall. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Uno resident dog wanted to welcome the puppy into the world and congratulate Rebecca on her touchscreen abilities. And here is Uno. Um in front of the TV, Rebecca, while you stand at a touchscreen in, in the ESPN studio demonstrating, well, when I did breaking down some screen. play. Yeah, that's the only one I've done so far this season. Yeah. Well, Uno, here, here are, here's a picture of Uno and Lobo. Um, Sweet. That, that Jackie said it. Thank you for that, Jackie. Uno's looking good. Uh, Ralph writes, hi, Restiva. Let's hope that Miss Ionescu's sprained ankle heals quickly. What's the deal on that, Beck? Um, Sabrina Ionescu has a grade three ankle sprain. And they're waiting for more information. Her ankle is so swollen that even though they had MRIs done, they were considered inconclusive. Um, Holly was able to chat with her briefly before their last game. And, you know, Sabrina's staying very optimistic, but I'm slightly more realistic. And since she is the cornerstone of the New York Liberty franchise, um, my assumption, and it's just a guess, is that we will not see her play again this season. Um but they are still waiting for more information. Uh, Ralph adds that uh, he wanted to use wigless or unwigged regarding George Washington. I think it was Ben Franklin, or no, it was George Washington, in last week's headline making email. But Spellcheck didn't like them. It turns out they the word their words the word is bewigged. Um, I went bald early on, writes Ralph, but came to think of toupees were not worth the trouble, practice or otherwise. So. Um, What's interesting is my colleague at ESPN, Ryan Rucco, has decided to just completely shave his head. Um, it's something I saw for the first time when we did the draft in April. And um, so now when we're on set calling games, he has these special cloths that I've not seen before that allow you to like take the shine away of your bald head without removing the makeup. Like, how many people do you think buy these? Who, who's, who is bald-headed with some makeup on their head and needs a cloth that, other than, you know, some sports announcers or maybe actors, maybe it's a big thing on movie sets, I don't know. But there's a product you can get to take the sweat off of your bald noggin without messing up your makeup. 
just in case anybody out there needs those. I don't remember what they're called, but uh, but Brian has uh, Ryan has been using them. It sounds like something that you would get from uh, your local Sherman William Sherwin Williams store, like a, the water beads up on the paint kind of a thing. Yeah. Brian in New Jersey writes, Rebecca and Steve, we recently just watched a This Is Sports Center special on ESPN where they showed the best of the Sports Center commercials. Rebecca, have you been on one? Rebecca? Never. Also, your daughter's vision of the ESPN Lost and Found could be a This Is Sports Center commercial. Next to your water bottle is the Stanley Cup, perhaps Carlton Fisk's Cup, Bobby Clark's Teeth, the Yukon Husky, Tiger Woods' Four Iron, Mike Ditka's Cigars. The possibilities are endless. I like that. That's a great idea. By the way, my... 18-year-old daughter is all in on the WNBA and Liberty this year because she believes in Sabrina. As she says, she wants to see a local hoops championship, and the Knicks are the Knicks. Stay safe and keep potting. Brian, thank you, Brian, uh, in River Edge. Um, yeah, back to that. She's not She's not going to see a championship out of the Liberty this year, but, um, but watch out for them in the upcoming years. With Sabrina healthy and they have all their international players who are not playing this season who will return to the team, they've got a ton of money. Um, in terms of salary cap, they'll be able to sign some big free agents, and it's an appealing franchise now with the new ownership and playing at the Barclays Center, hopefully in the, the Barclays Center, Barclays Center in the uh, near future. So um, they will be good pretty quickly, but this year they're not going to see a ton of wins in the win column. When you say the uh, the uh, did I did my new Britain come out in the Barclay? Well, no, I think it's the Barclays Center. Oh. But you call it the bar. It just made me think of the Barkays. Do you remember there was a, there was a band called the Barkays R and B group? Uh, I put too much accent on the uh, the second syllable. You 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 no. You just said it wrong. You you pronounced it phonetically as it as it looks. Barclays B A R C L A Y. Much as uh, our esteemed uh, leader pronounced Yosemite as Yosemites today as we're recording this. So, but uh, but Barclays makes me think of the Barkays. Uh, um, Purveyors of such R&B goodness as Move Your Boogie Body, Freak Show on the Dance Floor, and Freaky Behavior. What um, what was the name of the band? The Bar Kays. You know what that reminds 70s me of? 70s and 80s, yeah. Uh, this may have been the first or second season of the Shake w- Your Rump to the Funk. The, the, maybe it was the second season of the WNBA in one of the ESPN promotional spots had the band um, the WNBAs. You remember this? And it was like this funk band and they're in orange and white um, attire, afros, um, total 70s look. And it was a phenomenal ad campaign. If I can find any of them, I'll post them on our um, on our Instagram account, which is uh, at Ball and Chain Podcast. Christian, uh, Chris, Chris in Cheshire, Connecticut. Writes, Dear Stephen Rebecca, here in week 402 of the pandemic, we finally got a change of scenery. We're finally on our socially distant and responsible trip with family to the outer edge of Cape Cod with our little family and my in-laws, including my mother-in-law, puzzling Barb without her puzzling table of South Windsor. A new four walls to look at was a welcome treat. On the car ride, our daughters were excited to hear Rebecca read the tweets about them recognizing her voice during the WNBA's first weekend as part of last week's viewer mail. Our 12-year-old even exclaimed, oh, she loves us. <laughs> nice. Our twelve-year-old has never exclaimed that. No. Oh well, yeah. No, she she's probably just never exclaimed, especially now that she's thirteen. Um, I love them. <laughs> well, this morning I was able to take a nice run out to the nearest lighthouse. Attached photo. I certainly gave a few two-fingered Steve-style runners waves to all the vehicles that gave me a wide berth. Uh, I, I have to say, he encloses a photo of of the famed Nosset Light. Uh, Nosset Light Beach 
Lighthouse, the Nosset Lighthouse at Nosset Light Beach, renowned uh, as the lighthouse on the Cape Cod potato chip bag. So we, we have also we frequent, often gone we to that, that beach and uh, that beach pictures. on the Cape. And uh, uh, now here I am at the ocean with the last book I have in the complete works of Steve Russian, another attached photo, uh, and he is reading the Pint Man on the beach at presumably at Nosset Light Beach. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. I look forward to the day I can read enough about me here on the coast. I'm working on a, working on working on a book, uh, Chris. So you can do that. This is a welcome respite from thinking about schools reopening and and staring at the same four walls. And at least we're not sleeping on the couch with a puppy. Well, I'm happy to say Rebecca is off the couch, but uh, but she is. Um, oh yeah, we never we never resolved that. I after our podcast a couple of weeks ago when you. The whole time, well, it had been two weeks at that point, I thought I was being helpful to you by not having the dog in the room. You said, no, it's fine to have the dog in the room. So I have been sleeping in our bed. She's been sleeping through the night now till at least 5.45, 6.15 in the morning, something like that. But it is certainly more comfortable now for me to be in the bed. And he's bringing up just wanting a change of scenery and a different four walls. Our younger three kids the other night did just that when they put up a tent in the yard for the first time and slept in it. And you and I were certain when we kind of brought them out and did the The over-under was 11 p.m. Yeah, like there's no chance these kids are going to make it through the night. Even if they make it till, you know, one in the morning, the second they wake up, they're going to come in the house. And to my surprise and delight... The following morning at 6 a.m., 6.15 a.m., whatever it was, when I was outside with the dogs, I went in and peeked in the tent, and all three of them were sleeping but they, soundly in they, the tent. They had woken up with the dawn. The sun woke them up. The sun or the dog who no, they said the ran into the up. tent, but yeah. No, so the, sun, the, the dog didn't run into the tent until after the sun was up. Oh, the sun okay. woke them up, and then later the dog ran into the tent. But it has to be the first time in their lives that the sun woke them up. Yeah, it was... Uh, it, it was cool. I was super proud of them. And, and actually, I'll, I'll post this picture because when we were putting them to bed that night, it was a full moon and I got this spectacular picture of the sky. Um, it was really a lovely night for them to be outside because the, the sky was beautiful. Uh, hi, Stephen. Rebecca writes Myra, our, our uh, resident librarian. As happens almost every week, something in the podcast reminds me of my own life. I can't resist sharing this one. It was the mention and viewer mail of the Minnesota Kicks and a Kicks t-shirt. Minnesota Kicks were the great North American soccer league team that played in my hometown of Bloomington. I too had a t-shirt and was pretty sure I still had it somewhere, so I did a deep dive into a pile of old t-shirts, and sure enough, there it was, a very old and musty classic bright orange shirt with the blue logo. This triggered the memory that, that the one and only Kicks game I attended was on Kazoo Night. I believe the intention was to set a a kazoo-related Guinness record. I don't know if it was successful, but I'm sure that I saved the kazoo in case it was part of a world record. So this prompted an archaeological dig. Unfortunately, I didn't find a kazoo, but among the other treasures, I unearthed twins twins programs and yearbooks from the 60s and 70s, a Super Bowl, authentic Duncan yo-yos, a Frisbee that had to be one of the first off the Whammo assembly line, a Davis wood tennis racket still in its cover, but sadly not in a press. Remember the racket presses? childhood baseball gloves and a folder labeled newspaper clippings and stuff which was full of random stuff and included a couple of Steve Russian articles from old SIs. I thought that photo in Nights in, in Nights in White Castle of you eating nachos at a California ballpark was familiar. Indeed, at an Angels game about 1991, 1990 maybe. I plan to keep searching for that kazoo. Who knows what else I might find? I'm hoping for a comeback paddle or a slinky. 
I know I won't find jarts, though. My friend Jan's, yes, uh, two ends. Parents confiscated them. Jan with two ends. Her parents confiscated Jan's jarts. Jan's jarts. J-A-A-N? No, J-A-N-N. Jan with two ends, not two, two A's. Two ends, not two A's. Okay. Jan's jarts were confiscated by Jan's parents. Do you think Jan's jorts were folded and put? I, I, if Jan in had drawer? been smart, she'd have she'd have hidden Jan's jarts in Jan's jorts. <laughs> Thanks for prompting this fun trip down memory lane. The only kind of trip that's safe to take these days. Well, Chris and Cheshire, uh, I think, uh, traveled safely to Cape Cod, but we're essentially one state here in in New England. Not in terms of cultural kind of uh, just idiosyncrasies, but in size, are. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. I thought you were going to say just in terms of the coronavirus and their ha- the handling of it. Well, y- the, you know, looking for old artifacts may just jog my memory, too. The other day we were walking the dogs in the morning, and uh, in the neighborhood kind of across the way, there were people having a tag sale. And our kids are enamored, especially our youngest has always been enamored with the idea of a tag sale. And so she was so excited to get on her bike and pedal down there and spend her own couple of dollars and then return home and say, we had to drive back because the thing she purchased was a pool float, a sizable pool float, like one of the ones that you can lay down completely on. And of course, she couldn't get that back on her bike. So we then had to drive back down to the tag sale and uh but the next day she went item. she went back to the tag sale on her own and got oh. came back with something else yeah so the, the next morning she came and said to me she's like i know you're gonna say no you're gonna probably say no but can i ride my bike back to the tag sale i said of course you can and um so she came back again had her own little purse full of coins and came back and the one thing she got was a present for me which was a book on how to raise a puppy and gave that to me and it was so unbelievably sweet and um i have been reading some of it and and, and it's been helpful and uh but i was i was super proud of her that, that when she came back that was what she'd gotten was a gift for me uh mary writes hey restiva it's mary from east hampton mass and yukon class of 83 i want to share that i stumbled upon the best american sports writing 2016 edition in my local community centers take a book leave a book area. I saw Steve's 2015 Rugby World Cup story in the table of contents and enjoyed reading it. I started playing rugby at UConn in 1981. I saw an ad in the Daily Campus for a team meeting scheduled on March 6th. I was a little conflicted about going because, nerd alert, it was at the exact same time as Walter Cronkite's final broadcast. The ad promised free beer and I didn't have a TV, so I ended up going to the meeting. (laughs) Little... Little did I know that my life was about to change. I played rugby for the rest of my college career. Home games were on a space known as the grad field adjacent to the Homer Babbage. The business school resides there now. I continued to play until I was 35 years old. I've been to four Women's Rugby World Cups, two as an athlete, 1991 in Cardiff, 1994 in Edinburgh, and two as a spectator, 1998 Amsterdam, 2017 Belfast. The next one is slated for September 2021 in New Zealand, and time will tell if the schedule changes. I'm one of four UConn players to compete in a Women's Rugby World Cup, so I'll give shout-outs to uh, Kim Saganik, Jen Krauss, and most recently, Alicia Washington. Can I be your resident Husky Eagle, though? How impressive is that? Yeah, it's terrific. Walter Cronkite's final broadcast or the rugby uh, meeting? Yes, with free beer. I don't have a TV. I like beer. (laughs) No-brainer. 
Rugby World Cups later. That's amazing. Well, that's phenomenal. Mary, funny Lobo story, she adds, from the 2000 NCAA tournament in Philly, the one with the all the Immaculata runs in attendance, all the Immaculata nuns in attendance. Do you remember that? Which year? 2000, yeah. Philadelphia. Yes, I was there. Right. Well, she has a funny story from there, so I imagine you were there. Okay. Funny Lobo story. Through a series of events, I ended up in a friend's skybox in the arena, which was full of friends who played college ball, worked summer camps, and all the rest. Great experience. I have such wonderful memories from that weekend, especially the fantastic news coverage because Gino is from Philly, plus the rival cheesesteak joints, Gino's and Pat's. Oh, and my friends introduced me to Kathy Rush. What a treat. At the arena in between games one night, someone said that Rebecca Lobo was in the hall, so we went out, So we went to get our tickets signed. You were signing with a highlighter, which fades after a short time. Why would you do that? I must not have had anything on me because I don't normally just travel with a pen on me. So somebody must have handed me a highlighter, and that's what I was using. When it was my turn, someone called your name. You looked away and basically drew a yellow line on my ticket. Too funny. I saw you the morning after. I mean, I saw you the morning after the tournament at the 30th Street Station, but didn't want to intrude on your morning by asking for another SIG. Signature, I assume. That's what SIG with an S. Right. I don't imagine you were chain smoking at the 30th Street State I train station help, in Philadelphia. I'm so sorry that I, I not only... You did the turn and, and yeah, made it line with a yellow highlighter. How obnoxious is that's that? Obnoxious. It's a very obnoxious. You know, one does, of it, things, does it physically pain you now when you hear... Oh, what, like, what an ass. Um, but th- th- this is the thing about the 2000 Final Four. It was the first Final Four I had attended... Uh, in a while that I wasn't actually working. So I, I worked the 97, 98, 99 Final Fours. And I remember 2000 Final Four, I spent a lot of time enjoying myself. And um, there's a slight chance I was hungover signing with the uh, with the Yellow highlighter. highlighter. Yeah. And I must have been living in New York City at the time if I was getting back on a train to get, uh, that's the only place right. I would have been going. You essentially so. just highlighted like, <laughs> whatever the, was on the, the, the legal disclaimer on the ticket. Well, if she still has the ticket and wants to send it to us, well, um, I she, would be she, happy to, to sign it with an actual she, Here's Here's the deal. She enclosed an address so that we can send swag. And, and, and I sent out a little bit of swag this week. So I'm back and I'll get back right, in the habit so of that. When you send that particular send piece that, of swag, you're going to sign a legible signature, right? I'll use pink highlighter. This in time. a highlighter, of course. And uh, if you're silently correcting my grammar or punctuation, I'll end with my favorite story as a UConn student. My English 102 TA sent a letter to Franken and Davis of Saturday Night Live, Al Franken and Tom Davis, asking where they get their material from. The guys sent the letter back, corrected with red pen. <laughs> Uh, anyway, love the pod. Swag, yes, please. I'll send you a photo of it from New Zealand, 2021, if I get it in time. No pressure, Steve. Photos of my personal rugby swag are attached. I'll say hello if I see you in line at the NAC. Well, we will be in line at the NAC uh, hopefully soon. Uh, the great uh, burger and fish taco stand in Orleans, Mass. on Cape Cod. And here are a couple of pictures of, um, of uh, Rugby World Cup swag. So thank you, Mary. That's uh, a heck of a story. Great story. We'll give the last word to Dr. Gary Siegel, who writes, I'm so glad that things are becoming a bit normal for you and your family. Uh, Rebecca, whether you're in curlers or not, you're still a cool mom in a minivan. When I had a performance-oriented BMW M5, others passing by driving BMW M cars would wave at me, and vice versa. These are the kind of BMW racing cars. I know this from from having uh, been to BMW headquarters in Munich and traveled around the Nürburgring in Germany in a BMW uh, that we had taken for that purpose. Story for another time. Uh, now I settle, writes Dr. Siegel, for an occasional Subaru wave in my sporty WRX. Steve, if you were not aware of this, BMW stands not for Bayerische Motorin Worka, but as my mechanic says, bring money with you. 
a few years earlier, on the other side of the garage, Mrs. Dr. Siegel's second minivan was, in her words, her sports car, as she appointed it lavishly in 1992 with leather seats, a sunroof, and a CD player. There was only one door on the rear right side, so then a seat behind the driver with nearby controls for the radio and rear air conditioning became the, quote, radio seat about which the children always fought. Her next car was a huge mommy truck with captain's chairs for the children separated by a huge console that looked like a toilet seat. <laughs> it was a false hope that there was enough distance between the two seats to avoid both bickering and physical confrontation between the two children, although eventually they became teens and put in headphones. All the best, Gary. What's your car going to be? Have we figured that one out yet? I'm sticking with the minivan. Even when the kids are gone, the mi- I'm a minivan for life. I've had like three consecutive Toyota Highlanders, and, and I just I, I can't do it again. So whenever, uh, whenever that time comes, we'll let people we know what have it to have is. We have, have to have a viewer poll uh, for a moderately priced... Uh, non-pickup truck. Non-pickup truck. Uh, <laughs> car, for someone, car for someone who doesn't really care about cars. <laughs> yes, that would be a good Twitter poll. <laughs> but my, my, you know, what I'd really like to get is a uh, VW microbus. Yeah. All right, on that note... Tom, Tom Dick, and Harry. Dick, Harry. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.